Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. The franchise business model, if leveraged properly, is amazing and powerful. It's been called the best business model ever invented. But if you end up choosing the wrong franchise and you blow through all your money because you didn't do the type of research needed to get all the facts, then owning the best business model ever invented won't much matter. Again, good morning and welcome to Franchising in You, a production of Franchise Foundry. My name is Paul Segreto. I'm your host Saturday mornings as we share information and perspective on all aspects of exploring, selecting, and starting a franchise business. The quote I just shared with you is from the recently published book, The Definitive Guide to Franchise Research, written by our guest this morning, Joel Labava. Joel, welcome to Franchising in You. Hey, thanks, Paul. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's uh, it's definitely a, a pleasure, and uh, I, especially as I know you, you definitely stay quite busy, and besides being known as the Franchise King, personally, I think you're also the Franchise Content King with all that you write and share <laughs> online. Thank you. So I guess that thank you. So I guess the million dollar question right off the bat is why this book and why now? Uh, why this book? Well, I uh, I wanted to update some stuff on franchise research uh, from my from my hardcover book. I just wanted to do some updates and I wanted to add an entire section uh, on how to use the internet correctly for franchise research. Um, there are a lot of good resources out there that a lot of a lot of people that are searching for franchises don't even know about. I'm not talking about uh, franchise portals where you find the franchises, but kind of cool places that are a little under the radar where you can dig dig a little bit and do a little background on not only the franchisor, but sometimes even the franchise CEO and some of the executives. So I wanted to include that, and I wanted to make sure that I, I really, really um, uh, focused on the importance of doing franchise research. And it's an ebook, so it's you know it's an instant download. People don't have to wait for it to be shipped for a few days. Uh, they can it's it's instant. It's an instant download, so uh, uh, it's ready to go. I really like um, the way you gave the uh, the tips on using some of the resources, you know, the search resources that are out there, like Google. I think there's a lot of people that will find that very very valuable. Franchising and You is brought to you in part by FranFund, named one of the top franchise funding providers by Entrepreneur Magazine. FranFund crafts insightful funding strategies that help solidify the dream of franchise ownership while positioning franchisees for long-term success. Learn more at FranFund.com. So it looks like right out of the box we have a question from our listening audience. Ed from Columbus, Ohio, just south of you, writes, I've been researching a franchise for the past month and a half and feel I'm ready to sign the franchise agreement and pay the franchise fee, but they won't let me do so until I travel to their offices in California and meet with them. Unfortunately, I don't have the time. Is it necessary for me to visit with them, or could you suggest another option? Wow. Uh, find the time. Uh, if if you don't um, – if the caller – uh, can't find the time to travel to spend a day at headquarters and get to know the executive team and the other people that um, he or she is going to be interacting with daily for years, uh, then I would probably like get a new job instead of looking for a franchise. I mean, I'm being blunt because it's, it's, 
it's really important to get some face-to-face. You're investing a lot of money. And you're going to have to travel to headquarters most likely for training. So I'm wondering how you're going to be able to free up that time. So I know I'm kind of being harsh, but a a face-to-face meeting is crucial. And, you know, Paul, you've been involved in in, in, uh, headquarters days, discovery days. Do you agree? I, I would think it's the right thing to do. I, I absolutely agree, and quite frankly, uh, he hasn't mentioned the the franchisor, but um, hats off to the franchisor for sticking That's to right. their guns and bringing them out there and going through it because, you know, it is a vetting process, you know, of course, for the candidate to the franchisor, but the franchisor should also be vetting out to make sure that this is going to be uh, a right-fit scenario. And again, as I said, you know, hats off to them for not just saying, yeah, sign the document, send us a check, and we'll figure this out later on. I agree, uh, because it has to be uh, a win-win on both sides. Uh, The franchisor, you are absolutely right, Paul, the franchisor must must meet this person to make sure that he or she is a fit. And and the the would-be franchisee needs to make sure that the culture feels right, that the, that the place feels right, that it's a real operating business and that, that he or she is going to get support. And it's tough to do on the phone or online. Travel, man. Find a way to do it. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Ed, thank you for your question. Of course, we appreciate all questions to Franchising and you. Send them to me. Uh, comments as well. Call at FranchiseFoundry.com. We may do so at any time during the week, and even while we're on the air, time permitting, we may respond on the show. Uh, but rest assured, you'll always receive a response uh, to your question. Joel, that was you know, quite a question. I, I think you gave him very solid advice. Obviously, Ed, Ed and others like him would certainly benefit a great deal by reading the definitive guide to franchise research. What are the, some of the other things, you know, with you know, Ed in mind, obviously, there are some questions that he may or may not have um, answered at yet um, or asked as of yet. And in doing his research, you know, finding out, you know, who the executives are and, of course, uh, allowing himself to really be prepared, you know, going to the headquarters. You know, not only that, let's, let's just say he's completely comfortable. He's had numerous phone conversations. Right. He's talked with franchisees. I mean, it's just, especially with an established franchise, it's just, to me, priceless because you're going to talk to department heads, you're going to see training facilities, you're going to see everything. Uh, Emerging brands, I think it's equally important because, you know, a lot of times they're not buying based on, you know, a history, so to speak. And it's going to, a lot's going to be dependent upon that relationship, you know, with the founder and the key executives. And uh, it's going to really be important. Um, to understand the vision, uh, understand the model, and it is going to be based upon that, you know, one-on-one. I mean, to me, you know, as you were talking and as I was wrapping up on on what I was saying, I was thinking, God, would you marry somebody without meeting them first? (laughs) Well, I think there's a couple of reality shows like that now. Uh, (laughs) 90-day fiancé and... Yeah. It all also reminds it also reminds me, you know, I used to be in in uh, automobile franchising years ago. And uh the the internet was just starting to to evolve then. And um you know, the 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 marketing joke out there was, yeah, pretty soon people are going to be be able to buy a car over the internet. Uh okay, so you can buy a car over the internet, would you buy it without driving it? I mean, really? 
I, you know, and and that's what I always tried to tell uh, people that were, were thinking about buying, uh, you know, one of the cars in in the dealership. Uh, well, you know, I know the price is important and stuff, but what if we, you know, negotiate uh, for an hour and a half, and then you finally say, okay, well, I want to drive the car before I sign anything, and you get in the car and it doesn't even feel right. So you're like, I don't even like this car. I mean, you know, it's so important to to get a feel of the thing. And, and at headquarters, you know, just use your intuition when you go there. And, and you know, are are the are the is the franchise development representative trying to sell you uh, something uh, that is unrealistic? Or when you get to headquarters, does it feel like, wow, this franchisor really has it together? And the franchise development person was right. Their systems seem really solid. I really like the staff. I like the people that I'm going to be interacting with. Man, am I glad that I visited in person just to make sure that I felt right about it. That That's what it's about. It's got to feel right. Right. Absolutely. And, and in many cases, um, they might have corporate uh, stores or locations, and they're most likely going to be in their local market. They have an opportunity to see how those are run as opposed to some of the franchise locations that he may have visited. But I would imagine so that um, this gentleman might not have even seen, you know, corporate or or any franchise location if time is of the essence. And, of course, you know, in reading your book, you you bring out a point about, you know, visiting a, a location and not being prepared. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Sure, sure. What happens a lot is someone will get really excited about a franchise opportunity. They'll have a couple conversations with with the franchise rep, and uh, on their own, without even knowing enough about the actual specific business model and how the money is made, et cetera, uh, uh, a would-be franchise owner decides to take a drive about 20 minutes away to a location just to see what it's like. And, and walks in, and uh, let's say it's a food franchise, you know, maybe maybe he and his wife uh, walk inside and they get a table, and they you know they kind of start scoping it out, and but but they don't they don't look like they're just customers, you know, they they start asking the server a lot of questions or the counter person, and 20 minutes later they're asking for the owner because they want to talk to the owner, and it just comes across like really weird to the owner. And the owner might start getting mm-hmm. suspicious, maybe, maybe a little paranoid. And basically what I'm trying to say is don't go visit a local franchise um, of the concept that you're interested in until you know exactly what the concept is really about and until you've talked to some franchisees from other parts of the country. That way, when you, when you walk in, first of all, you'll make an appointment and you'll do it in a professional way. And you'll be able to talk to the franchisee face-to-face and get some answers instead of just kind of winging it. It just, you look like an amateur. Just, just people have yeah. to trust me on this one. Yeah. Well, and, and can you imagine if the owner isn't on the premises and now that, that, that work <laughs> that you asked that question of goes to him and calls that, Hey, there's some guy in here, you know, he was in a suit and he's definitely, yeah. I think it might've been an agent from the three lettered uh, government agent. Yeah, exactly. Um, or, or, or someone yeah. that wants to open a competing business. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, yeah, definitely do your research. What about, um, what is your recommendation with, um, you know, a candidate, an interested party, you know, contacting former 
franchisees of the system. Uh, I I would like to see uh, one or two calls happen uh, like that, where um, uh, this person, this this would be franchise owner, uh, is able to locate a former franchisee. Uh, I would definitely have that phone call, but I would not expect it to be um, real positive going in uh, unless something happened where there was like a health problem and it really had nothing to do with the franchisee franchise or a relationship. But if possible, I highly recommend talking to uh, a former franchisee because they will, um, they may share things um, that, that current franchisees uh, won't. Uh, so it could go either right. way. You know, you know, why did the franchisee leave the system? Uh, you'll be able to find out. Um, sometimes other franchisees can tell you, you know, you know, I was I was looking at the FDD and I saw Ralph's name in there. It looks like Ralph uh, left the system a year and a half ago. Do you happen to know who Ralph is or what the story is? Franchisees, I mean, they know each other in general, unless it's a system with, you know, 5,000 franchisees. I mean, a lot of them know each other. So uh, I definitely recommend doing that because sometimes you can get some pretty good inside information that way. And certainly candidates need to realize, and especially – with larger organizations. I mean, there are going to be some franchisees that have gone by the wayside, some franchisees that have failed, and there are going to be some issues, so to speak, that occurred, whether they be legal or, or what have you. I mean, it's just, you know, it's just, it's just going to happen. I mean, if you have, you know, 2000 locations, you might have one location that, you know, just didn't make it. Of course, things happen, you know, besides, um, you know, it being, you know, potentially being a bad, you know, business model, you're not going to have, you know, 1900 plus, you know, succeeding in operating and, and having a handful close. But, you know, over the years, uh, having sat in the franchisor seat, you know, I've seen a number of things, you know, all of a sudden they, they do road construction right in front of your building. I mean, that's almost a kiss of death right there until uh, yeah. they get it finished. Uh, and there's a bunch of other things and, you know, having done a few pretty extensive surveys on people that have failed, I found, you know, several things that have occurred. Um, one of them in particular is, you know, somebody coming out of corporate America, you know, really doesn't have the skill set besides their own, you know, personal job where they were. As a matter of fact, I read an article in a Wall Street Journal some years ago where a person was actually a, and this is how far back it goes, Joe, a personnel director, uh, which of course now we know is doing resources, <laughs> but a personnel yeah. director, I mean, he's a C-level executive with a Fortune 500 company and failed miserably and admittedly said, I had no idea what even Business 101 was about. Uh, and then, of course, you have you know people on the personal side. And what I have found a lot, um, a common thread, as I drilled down and asked about quote unquote failure is not having spousal support. And I think that's important to keep the spouse involved in the process because whether it be longer hours than they were working before, or maybe needing them to, to pinch hit in the business, I think it's important. And I highly recommend that if somebody's visiting with a franchisor out of town uh, away from their home, and uh, going through this process, bring your spouse or partner with you, uh, certainly I think would go a long way. But there was quite a question 
Um, thanks, Ed, for, uh, for, for sharing your thoughts on it, and, and definitely take Joel's advice. Get on a plane. Get out there. Franchising and You is also brought to you by the national boutique law firm, Spadia Liana. Learn more about Tom Spadia and his legal team at www.spadialaw.com. You know, Joel, since I've known you, and we were talking about this just before the show, which I think is uh, you know, some nine or ten years now, I've always found your writing style easy to read, quite enjoyable, because I feel like you're speaking directly to the reader as if it was a conversation. Uh, your delivery, I've found, is always short and sweet, but always directly to the point. I also admire your transparency as well. Uh, I don't think it's being gruff. I think it's well-researched before you say anything. I feel many who take the time to read the book will feel the same. It's an easy read and extremely informative. Honestly, I really love the pictures too because comical, but yet they help emphasize the points you're, you're trying to make. So, Joe, with somebody exploring franchise opportunities, what would have to occur after they've read the book for you to feel like your mission has been accomplished? Well, gosh, one of the things would be to visit headquarters <laughs> right off the bat. Uh, the second no, thing would I'm be that. About from your perspective. Yeah. I'm talking about from your perspective. Yeah. I mean, what's going to give you that sense of, of accomplishment that they're taking away stuff from that book? What would have to occur? You know, one of them, obviously, beginning on a plane, listening to your advice on that. Is there anything deeper than that? Yeah, the, the deep part would be the, the smile that they would have on their face um, and the ability to be able to sleep at night because they did all the research humanly possible and they were able to leave their job and become their own boss and be successful make money and, and retire in 10 years uh, to a beach house. I mean, in a perfect scenario, that's what I'd like to see. Um, the sleeping, being able to sleep at night because they made the right decision is so important to me because uh, unfortunately I get phone calls from people four months or five months in who have bought a franchise who say, man, I wish I would have known about you, Joel because I did not do my research the right way. And now I am stuck. I don't know how to get out of this thing because it's just not right for me or the franchise or turns out to be um, not as good as they, as they said they were. So it's, I guess the sleep, the, the money and everything is the, is really important. I want people to be able to, you know, make some good money as franchise owners and, and not work for corporate America, but um, the ability to sleep at night, knowing that they made a good decision, because they got all the facts beforehand, methodically. Yep. That, that's what's important to me. Yeah, it's peace of, peace of mind. You know, it's interesting. Um, you know, typically um, somebody buys a house, you know, they've looked at a number of them. They've done some of their research on schools in the area. They've looked at shopping in the area. They've looked at the condition of other homes. They've driven around the neighborhood. Then they actually have an inspector come in and check out right. all the inner parts of the house, exterior of the house. They look at that list back and forth. Uh, and then, of course, they, uh, they go towards buying. And yet, many times, and sometimes more often, uh, it's even a higher investment. It's a similar investment as buying a house. Uh, of course, we know there are some businesses, some franchises, you know, they're a million, a million and a half dollar investment. And yet they do 
very little research. Why do you think that is when coming to a, a business opportunity that they don't do the research, but yet in their home, they do? I think it has to do with marketing. Um, some marketers are, are just so good that they get people on board pretty quickly. Uh, they, they create interest in a franchise opportunity. And before you know it, the folks are, uh, you know, like this gentleman, a month and a half in and are, are like, oh, my goodness, this is the one. Um, and I, you know, I hate my job so much that I've got to do this. I mean, a lot of stuff comes into play. Uh, and by the way, uh, a month and a half is generally not enough time to get to a yes or a no. Um, but uh, the, the main thing is, is people just, they, their emotions uh, take hold and facts go out the window uh, or, or a lack of getting enough of them. And, and they tend to move a little fast. So it's, I find most, more than, than not, it's because they just really cannot stand the situation they're in. So it's like, I'll do anything to get out of this thing. And, and I want to be my own boss, darn it. Yeah, I agree. I think there's a, uh, I, I like the perspective of, you know, marketing being very good. Um, in that regard, because you're right. Yeah, they buy into it. They buy into the quote-unquote gloss. Um, of course, we know from back in the days when it was the four-color brochure today, it's even more, you know, online, and they're seeing all kinds of, of glitz and glamour and reading all kinds of articles. Of course, we don't get to see, you know, PR pieces about a home we're buying, right? So right. Uh, imagine if that was the case. <laughs> Always so yeah. neat if as you drove by, you know, a house, all of a sudden there was like this Google pop-up that gave you the history of the right. house. You know, maybe right. maybe I'm onto something there. <laughs> That'd be yeah, it might be. You know, Joe, uh, I've seen some I've seen some pretty good copy though on uh, on some real estate listings. So there's definitely some copywriting involved. Yeah, some good copywriting. Well, you know, <laughs> like they say, you know, content is king, right? Um, yeah. Of course, I always say if content is king, it's what you do with the content that makes the kingdom. And of course, that's right. You know, some people do it, you know, quite well. Do you have, um, looking back at this book now, would you, would there be anything else you would want to add? And I know as an ebook, you can you can add it, you know, quite quite easily. But is there anything yeah. you would add to it? And 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 maybe especially since. Yeah, you know, we have such an influx of emerging brands. And it was Cesar Sheen, the uh, former IFA chairperson, said about a year ago that there was franchisors coming on board. Uh, for our listeners that don't know franchisors, franchise brand coming on board, independent businesses that have developed their business now into a franchise model coming on board at the rate of almost one a day for the last two and a half wow. to three years. And they anticipate the same for the next two or three years. And, of course, we know there's um, many of them that are probably under the radar that might just be, you know, quote-unquote franchising in their, in their local market. What would your advice right. be to those individuals? And then secondly, you know, what would you add to the book now uh, looking back at this, this great finished product? Uh, are you talking about what, what I would tell the franchisors? Yes. Or the franchisees, franchisors. Uh, um, yeah, the franchisors. 
Yeah, I, yeah. I think with the franchisors be, who who want to turn their business into a franchise, or who have, um, and are looking for their first franchise owners, you know, I I would hope that uh, first of all that they weren't talked into um, a very expensive franchise development agreement um, for something that wasn't really that good. Uh, so franchisors, if you're thinking, you know, if you're thinking about becoming a franchisor, please make sure you have some special sauce, something that really, really makes your brand different. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, on the, on the franchisee side, you know, I included a special section in, in the ebook about how to research a brand new opportunity. Um, you know, I guess if I would add anything, it would be even more tips and ideas on how to conduct research on a brand that may have one or two franchisees or may only have a company store, because that is the toughest research you can do. And that's where that face-to-face time, that face time with the CEO, with the founder, with the person that came up with the idea is important. I would spend several days uh, in the office of this new franchisor because that's really the only way you're going to get to know this person and, and, and if he or she is for real and to obviously hang out at their, at their, you know, flagship store uh, to see what things are like. But that, I guess, you know, if I had some more tips and ideas that I could put in there, um, I would, I would do that. And, uh, you know, eventually I'll have some more things to suggest, but it's pretty simple. I mean, you just have to spend time with the founder and Paul, you're, you're involved with emergence, emerging franchise opportunities. You know how tough it is. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I'm, you're spot on as far as, you know, make sure they have a, diff- a point of differentiation, the special sauce, so to speak. Uh, but it's really even, you know, very important to make sure that you and the, uh, and the you know, the founder, the franchisor, you know, get along. Um, I think it's very important. A lot of times, you know, people will buy into an emerging brand because they like the idea of that personal interaction and not having, you know, a, a bureaucracy to go through or a trunk line to go through when they want to get somebody on the phone. Um, I know with emerging brands, um, more often than not, um, they're accessible, you know, by phone, car and, and meeting them for a cup of coffee. And, and I tell people, you know, if you're the type that, you know, wants to have, you know, everything perfectly in place, systems, processes, the whole nine yards, but are not inclined to, you know, talk with, you know, C-level executives. You just want to go through the, the, the ladder of, of hierarchy and, uh, and walk through the system with operations people, what have you, and you just want to put your key in the door at 9 in the morning and your key in the door at 6 o'clock in the afternoon, you know, buy something like a UPS store or something that's been, you know, established quite a bit and you get your own little territory. But, you know, I would say emerging uh, brands are attractive to people that are a little bit more entrepreneurial. Um, right. One of the reasons why I hardly ever see, you know, an engineer or a CPA want to buy into an emerging brand. It's just, they're just ultra conservative and uh, it's typically not for them. And, of course, you know, with emerging brands, I mean, there is a little bit more, you know, opportunity to negotiate, so to speak, maybe a, a bigger territory or maybe a, a first right of refusal on a second location uh, and what have you. But understand that 
and I think this is this is something that I definitely tell franchisors, emerging franchisors, you know, realize that when you get to 10 or 12 or 15 units, that level of personal touch might not be as available as it once was. And for the franchisor, they have to make sure to try to extend it as much as they possibly can. And for a franchisee, I would hope then by 15 or 20 units, you're a more seasoned, you know, more seasoned franchisee in the system and people are going to look up to you and you can have a little bit of a different relationship. I think that's important to manage those expectations right up front. Otherwise you wind up with buyer's remorse down the road. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, uh, it, it, it could be tough to be a new franchisor, but for, for someone that wants to buy into that idea, who wants to be a franchisee of an emerging, uh, an emerging brand, uh, there, there's pretty cool opportunities to contribute to make the business model even better early on, uh, as opposed to yep. uh, a franchise that's been around for a really long time, uh, where everything right. is kind of in place and, you know, they don't need your input that much. <laughs> no, that's, that's for sure. And a lot of people, if, you, if they know the story of McDonald's, I mean, you know, some of the McDonald's, you know, products today that have stood the test of time were actually franchisee ideas. And uh, I imagine that would be very difficult to get through today with 40-something thousand, you know, franchise locations. Joel, in the book, you uh, seem a little bit about, a little passionate about um, FDD, and especially when a franchisor uh, is reluctant, hesitant, or delays giving the uh, FDD to a uh, candidate. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I think it's the only part in the book where you say it makes me angry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this one, this one gets my blood pressure going. When I'm working one on one with a candidate who says, "Joel, you know, I've been, I've spent three weeks already with with the the franchise salesperson, the development rep. Uh, things are going really well, but I still haven't got the FDD, and they." Uh, don't want to give it to me until I visit headquarters. What am I supposed to do? And that really gets me angry when a franchise word will not, will not send the FDD over until they visit face to face. Um, it's usually for, for uh, one or two reasons that they won't do that. Uh, the most common one I've seen is that there are, there are some lawsuits either in the past or that are going on now that the the franchise sales representative would like to uh, explain in person. Uh, and uh, another thing is maybe um, 10 or 15% of the franchisees have left the system in the last year. And uh, again, the franchise development representative wants to um, tell that story in person. So there's usually something rather negative that is in the FDD that they don't want the franchise candidate looking at by himself or by herself uh, and, and talking themselves out of the opportunity. Please, if you have, if you are a franchisor and you have things in the FDD that just don't look good currently, and it happens, um, be upfront, be transparent. I mean, sure, absolutely. just, just tell the, Tell the, fran the would-be franchise owner what's going on. Don't, do not delay sending the FDD. That looks worse. So, yeah, that, that really gets me frosty. So, well, and certainly, uh, certainly I'm not an attorney. I'm not a franchise attorney or attorney of, of any sort. Uh, but it's my understanding in the most recent 
FDD guidelines that uh, a franchisor is required to provide the FDD at first request. And so uh, whether that's law, guideline, or however they want to uh, classify that, that is something that um, you're violating something if you're not giving them the first time they request it. And, of course, I've had franchisors, too, say, well, I don't want to rec- I don't want to give it until I, I meet him and, and I want this extensive application filled out ahead of time. You know, it's like they, they fear something. It's a public document, especially if they're in registration states. I mean, anybody can get an FDD from, um, from any brand if it's in a registration state. So it really doesn't make sense, if anything. It, it does create this, this um, air about being not, you know, transparent or something to hide. So I'd like to take a, a minute to read from the website uh, about the book. It says, the definitive guide to franchise research teaches you in an easy-to-follow, step-by-step way exactly how to do first-rate research on any franchise you're interested in buying. The guide is for you if you started to look at franchises, but you'd like to have a proven research roadmap to follow. You're looking at several different franchises, but you need a straightforward way to determine which one is best. You're down to one franchise, but you're not sure if you found that 100% of what you need to know. You're extremely frustrated with the entire franchise purchasing process, and you're looking for the best way to get the answers you need. And you really want to be your own boss, but you're worried that you'll choose the wrong franchise to own. I think it's a, um, a, a wonderful book. I think it's extremely transparent. And I would even add, you know, another thing, another one here. Even if you don't know anything about franchising and you've just heard it and you just want to learn more, I think this book gives you so much ammunition and so much information to really go through the what-ifs in your mind. Uh, I think it creates a lot of questions in people's mind. And, you know, kudos to you on this. This is a, a, a tremendous book. Now, there are sections. There is a section in here, uh, section two, where you also talk about, you know, some of the negatives. And, of course, you know, online we have to be careful as to, you know, what's true and what's not true. We know everything on the Internet isn't always true. Give, some, uh, give us some of your thoughts behind this. Because uh, I think you're very eloquent in putting everything in there. I think, you know, it was absolutely, you know, transparent. I don't think you said anything, you know, that was wrong. I think some people might think otherwise that might be in franchise, you know, development. But I don't think there was anything wrong in it. But give some thought behind your thought. Give us some uh, of your insight behind your thoughts as you were putting together Section 2. Yeah, the section two is the. It's all about doing some research online, but but not only some of the Google tricks that I've included in there, but also using some websites that people may not have heard of, just to do a little digging, just to make sure that you understand um, not only the franchise business but some of the people behind it. For example, there's a website called Board Reader, B-O-A-R-D Reader dot com. And it's, it's, it's a website that features conversations that, that people in business are having or have had, or have had uh, about others in business. And sometimes, sometimes 
if you do a search on that website for the CEO of the franchise company or maybe some of the other executives, you never know. Something might come up, and it might be negative. It might be positive, but it's some things that may have been talked about in the past about this person or are being talked about now. Having said that, it never, there's no guarantee that anything will come up, but it's just kind of an under the radar website that has a lot of traffic that people don't know about. And it doesn't hurt to put the franchise brand or the name of the founder uh, uh, in the search bar just to see what happens. It's just one example of a website that a lot of people don't know about. And, and Paul, you said that you shouldn't believe everything you see on the internet. There's a, there's a big web, website called ripoffreport.com that has been uh, involved in many lawsuits. So uh, there is some really good, truthful information on there, but some of the information is a little sketchy. In addition, sometimes the people that have been talked about negatively respond or they have a bunch of people that are friends with them respond to kind of make it look like there was really no problem. So I don't want people to get into the weeds when they go on some of the sites that I, that I want them mm-hmm. to, to check out. But it's important for them to at least spend some time there just to kind of get a second opinion and see if there's some, some word out there about the brand or about the CEO. Yeah, and certainly if they, if they see information, you know, don't just, you know, put it in your pocket and say, okay, I'm not looking at this franchise anymore. Right, about right. It. Sometimes how they respond yeah. is, uh, is very telling. And, of course, as I've worked with franchisors in the past, especially ones that uh, seem to have lost their way, uh, and trying to do everything right to get back. If you have something like that uh, out there, be transparent about it. Because if you're not and the candidate finds it, chances are you're going to have a hard time, you know, recovering from that. If you know it's out there, put it out there, explain, let them do their own research. And, and, and quite frankly, I found that um, there were two competing brands and there was um, one that was not on one of these sites actually ripoff.com and the other one was, and their salespeople were using it to their advantage when they got the candidate on the floor, on the phone, because obviously the candidate was looking at, you know, the two comp, the two competitors, you know, right. side by side, they would just say, I'm not looking to say anything bad, but type in the franchisor's name and ripoff report and see what you see. And, uh, and then they right. would say, and if they hadn't told you about it, I'd really ask why. And they'd leave it at that. And then, of course, the people would be kind of ticked off that they weren't informed. And as that franchisor laid that out for a matter of full transparency moving forward, they've been able to um, develop their brand a lot better, and people have been a lot more confident in them. So, you know, you have to recognize that it's out there without a doubt, without a doubt. Good advice. Joel, thank uh, you. tell our listeners – you know, how they may order a copy of the Definitive Guide to Franchise Research and how they might contact you directly because I know you also uh, offer uh, franchise buyer services, and I think they're, uh, they're priceless. Everybody should have a, uh, a Joe LaBaga in their corner as they're looking at a franchise opportunity. Uh, thank you, Paul. Uh, the easiest way is to go to thefranchiseking.com, and right on the top, uh, you will see a link that says new ebook and you just click it and you'll, you'll be able to grab the book. Uh, you'll get a description of it. 
And to the right of that, uh, on the top of the website, uh, it says consultations, and that is how to get information on some of the packages I offer if you just want one hour, which a lot of people just, you know, man, I just want to talk to Joel before I sign an agreement and send mm-hmm. in money. Uh, you know, people can just spend an hour with me one-on-one. Uh, so those are, those are the ways I can help. And, of course, my blog, um, I have, uh, I don't know, 1,400 articles on there now, and I write some other places, so um, I'm easy to find. And if they want to contact me directly, uh, there's a contact form they can fill out. It takes about uh, 14 seconds. Excellent. Any last bit of advice for our listeners today? Yeah, if you're going to do this, if you're going to uh, investigate franchise opportunities, do it slowly and methodically. This, it's not a race. Um, and just, just go with the facts, and, and, and you, know, you should be okay. Just get that information that you need. Great, Joel. Uh, I appreciate you being a guest today on Franchising and You. Uh, I'd love to have you return for future segments, and, of course, uh, I look forward to talking to you about that. Thank you again. Thanks for having me, Paul. And as you explore franchising, may I remind you to subscribe to Franchise Dictionary Magazine. You'll find a lot of great information that will help you on your road to franchise ownership. Subscription is free at FranchiseDictionaryMagazine.com, and uh, you'll actually find a Franchising 101 uh, column in there by yours truly. Remember, if you've missed any segment of Franchising and You, all are available at www.blogtalkradio.com slash franchising and you. That's it for this week. Thank you for including franchising and you as you explore the wonderful world of franchising, small business, and entrepreneurship. We're excited to be part of your day and part of your quest for franchise success. As we say, dream it, wish it, do it. Have a great day.